Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome back to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership, becoming financially free, and leaving a profound legacy for our children. Go to truelegacywealth.com and integrativeminds.com. Those are my two websites that tells more about what I do for you to invest in our turnkey real estate program. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube, and all this information is in the show notes. I want to really dive in deep with our second episode. It's a part two of last week's episode. If you did not listen to last week yet, please go back and listen. This two-part series is on helping reduce our children's pain and anxiety. So please go back to listen last week, part one. Our guest is back. He is a retired board-certified orthopedic surgeon. A significant part of his practice was devoted to performing surgery on patients who had undergone multiple prior spine surgery. He has been performing complex spinal surgery since 1986, and right now he is just focused on getting his efforts on bringing effective medical treatment for chronic mental and physical pain back into the mainstream medicine. He is creating a business structure called Vertus, V-E-R-T-U-S, that also will present these concepts to the public. Get his book, called Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. It evolved from his own experience escaping from chronic pain. His website, backincontrol.com, is the action plan for you to direct your own care project. There are patients with surgical problems who have often experienced resolution of their pain without any operations. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like for you to welcome back Dr. David Hanscom. Hi, Dr. Dave. Thank you, Jackie. I really enjoyed our first podcast. Yes. Let's dive into this one. Why don't you sum up a little bit of what we said last time, and then we'll put in more information. I first of all would really encourage listeners to listen to the first podcast. We went into a lot of detail that anxiety is simply the sensation generated by elevated levels of your body's stress chemicals. If you you feel anxious, you can go, okay, my body's full of stress chemicals. That's a descriptor, a symptom. It's not a disease. It's not a diagnosis. Just like if your body's full of play chemicals, you feel relaxed. Relaxed is not a disease. It's just a description. Same thing, I feel anxious. It's just a description of those chemical nature. turns out that physical threats and mental threats are processed in a similar matter. Humans cannot escape their thoughts. All of us are exposed to sustained levels of stress chemicals at some level because we can't escape our thoughts. And so we have these constant elevated levels of adrenaline, cortisol, and histamines that translates into physical symptoms. The reason why it's so critical to understand that anxiety is not primarily psychological is that this survival neurochemical response is about a million times stronger than the conscious brain. Although psychology has a role, it is not primarily a psychological problem. It's a body chemistry issue. The solution lies, in fact, of becoming aware of what your body chemistry is, not suppressing it, then using very simple tools and simply shift back your body's chemistry into a different mode. And we talked last time about how the adverse childhood experience, things that happen in your childhood, if you score high on the ACE studies, it's a direct 
linked to how much anxiety and how much anger you have also. Right, because if you're raised in a chaotic family or chaotic background of any means, your body understands there's more things on this planet that are dangerous or seem dangerous. And usually, actually, they are dangerous. In the current present moment that you're in, therefore, by definition, there'll be more things around you that set off triggers. When I say triggers, it means something in the present reminded you of something in the past. Your body has a neurochemical survival response. You feel anxious. If you are trapped, your body secretes more stress chemicals and you become angry. What we found out with the family, which has been fascinating for us, we didn't really figure this out for a couple of years. So we do know that family patterns become programmed by your parents. They play out in your own family and you pass them on to your kids. Your kids therefore become your own triggers. And it's the only way you can understand why, first of all, why, why would there be domestic abuse, right? It makes no sense in child abuse. I mean, why would you injure these people that are so close to you? What's ironic about the human experience is that the closer, more intimate your relationships, the stronger the triggers and more frequent they are. And when you're triggered, your body gets this chemical flood, adrenaline shuts down the blood supply to the brain. You don't think clearly. Anger is only destructive. Remember, anxiety and anger are the same thing. The antidote to anxiety is control. When you lose control, your body secretes more stress chemicals. Then you feel angry. Again, angry is just a descriptor of of super elevated levels of stress chemicals, but you can't think clearly because it's destructive. It's a basic last-ditch survival effort is anger. What happens in chronic pain particularly is that people with chronic pain are trapped by their pain, they're trapped by their thoughts, they're trapped by the medical system, they become indescribably angry. Two research papers document that actually the effect of chronic pain on a person's quality of life is actually equivalent to terminal cancer. It's really brutal. But what's even worse, I think, is that it just devastates families. And if the impact that chronic pain has on families, first of all, when you're angry, there's a process called mirror neurons where your brain will respond in a mirror fashion to what's going on in the room. In other words, when somebody yawns, other people yawn, right? Mm-hmm. Not because they're tired. It's just that that part of the brain gets stimulated. When you're angry, you've now stimulated that part of your family's brains. Well, you see it in mob reactions too. Right. And what happens is not psychological, just mirror neurons. They're doing research on when you watch a football quarterback throw the ball down the field, the throwing center lights up in the fan's brain. The key issue is understanding this anxiety, anger is a reaction. There's no control over it. You cannot, it is not subject to rational solutions. What we found out in chronic pain is that we have lots of success treating chronic pain with sleep, stress, exercise, all sorts of modalities that have been self-directed with lots of success. But what we really found out is that the family dynamics win. In other words, we can do all these different exercises, but if you go home and get triggered by these really powerful family triggers, guess what? Pain comes back. There's one research paper of 105 patients that they, they were all married. They put monitors on both spouses. When the person in chronic pain would complain, which they do all the time, then there would be a predictably hostile response from the from the spouse. And what was fascinating was every spouse every time. And what would happen is that the spouse would have a hostile response, person in chronic pain would have the pain go up for about three hours. This went on over and over and over again. One of the fascinating parts about the study to me was that the person in pain knew that the pain would go up, but he or she kept complaining. I wrote another website post called the Chronic Pain Marriage Go Round, or I'm sorry, Happily Ever After, 
what disrupts couples, and this is universal, by the way, we have not found any exceptions to that, and I'm going to put myself right in the middle of this whole mix, is that what disrupts relationship is not rational. I mean, it's rational if you have a life together, you have common interests, you have children together, finances together. Those are all rational bonds. What blows relationships apart is a neurological trick. Your parents' patterns are now playing out in your family. There are these super strong survival patterns. And once you get triggered by your spouse or child, this reaction is irrational. How many times have you ever talked something out in the middle of an argument? Rarely. <laughs> ever? <laughs> it's usually a boxing glove. It's just right. irrational pounding each other, whether it's, uh, it's mentally or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, anger is destructive. Yeah. Right? So you're going to destroy everything around you in order to survive. It's also self-destructive, by the way. And so it's destructive to you. It's destructive to your partners. It's also destructive to your kids. I'm going to jump right to the solution because I could talk about this for hours. I'm actually going to write a third book on healing your family's pain. The bottom line is there's some basic rules. Once you understand these are irrational survival reactions, the anxiety and anger are the same thing. They're part of the unconscious survival response. They're not subject to rational interventions. Then it's game on. You actually can solve the problem. I call it solving the unsolvable. I'm going to pretend you're my patient right now. You're in my office. You've had chronic pain for five years. You've gone through some of the tools, had some success. And I would ask you on the next visit to bring your spouse in or partner in. And then when, on the next visit, I say, look, here's the rules. I want both of you to engage in the process. In other words, I want you both to learn about anxiety, frustration, and pain. Everybody has anxiety. By the way, the goal of this process is not to get rid of anxiety. Otherwise, you die. The goal is to process in a way so it's not disruptive. I first of all want everybody in the household to remember the rules and understand the problem. Number two, and one of the hard fast rules, whether you're married or single or whatever you are, never discuss your pain ever. So when you walk out of the door of my office, you'll never discuss your pain ever again the rest of your life or your medical care, or you're not going to complain. Where's your tension? Your tension's on the pain. So from a neuroplasticity standpoint, that's where your brain is going to develop. I didn't realize, by the way, we're doing a workshop. I think by the time this podcast is June 7th through 9th back in New York, it's a group setting where we actually put people in a structured setting and can relax. It's a little bit like a family situation. And the bottom line is, is that the basic ground that emerged out of this workshop is never discuss your pain. And people literally look at us and go, well, what do we talk about? Or if you're in this, in this quest to read books, go to doctors to get your attention on the pain. You can't fix your pain. You have to move a different direction away from your pain, but you can't fix it. So the, so the biggest factor we say is that, you know, when you go home, you'll never discuss your pain ever again, especially with your family. And you, you ask the family members never even ask the questions, how's your pain doing? The third thing is that I ask them to spend an hour just remembering when things were fun. Why are you together? When were things really fun? And try to remember that era in as much detail as you can. It's not positive thinking, which is a way of suppressing negative thinking. That's a disaster. But the way the human brain develops is with play. All of us have play pathway, pathways. It's sort of a three-dimensional version of just life. You negotiate, there's sight, sound, smell. And so the, the way the human brain develops the best is through play. And so we just say, you know, just remember when things were really fine, remember it in detail. You just simply want to wake that part of the brain up. The fourth thing is bringing it home. I said, look, I'd like you to discuss this in the car if you can. When you walk in the front door of your house, I want you to make a commitment to create a safe house, which means under no circumstances, if you're triggered, 
you argue or fight in the confines of your house. In other words, you can create a physical space on this planet that is safe, safe for you, safe for your partner or spouse, and it's really safe for your kids. Parents have the idea as far as going back to kids' problems is that somehow we have to teach them our wisdom, we have to discipline them, we have to do all these different things. My, my parent advice is actually boil it down to one word, and that's the word play. Establish real relationships with the kids. When you walk in the front of your house at night, again, the mirror neurons concept because it comes into play, don't walk in the door of your house if you're angry. Don't do it. Because you walk in the door angry or frustrated or upset, which they can do to your family through mirror neurons. You're going to upset the whole family. Then you've triggered them, and then they're going to be triggering you back. You're into this cosmic ping pong game. The first rule I ask people to do is that if you get triggered and argue or fight, take it outside. Do not argue or fight within your house. Every person on this planet has a right to have a place in this planet that's safe in, in the confines of your own home. You also have a right to enjoy the people that you're close to. And again, triggers are irrational and draws a deep wedge between deep relationships. That doesn't have to happen. Believe it or not, the solution is actually just break it up. And you mentioned the word boxers is similar to boxers in a ring that are clutching each other. You just break it up. And I will honestly say my wife and I get to practice this all the time. We still get triggered. Remember, the triggers are never going to disappear. She's probably a little bit better at this than I am, but we just stop. And we've been working, working on our own efforts for maybe 18 months now. It's made a huge difference. And then once you actually let that reaction pass, all of a sudden this huge issue isn't even an issue. It's amazing. I have a little mantra that I use is that you don't want to suppress your triggers. You want to be able to experience the triggers. But I, my little saying is no action in a reaction. In other words, if I'm triggered and reacting, I just zip it, walk out of the room, and make a plan ahead of time to really stick to that. Just really don't let your house be what it is. And then the second stage, besides not arguing or fighting, is bring play back in. When you come home from work, what can you do to enjoy your kids, enjoy your family? What can you do a few times a week just to have fun? Data from years ago shows that couples that are romantic actually have better marriages. And to me, that sounds sort of corny, but now that I understand the neuroscience of things, if you keep that romance in front of you and keep working towards nurturing that, that's how your brain's going to develop. If you get keep getting pulled into these negative, angry, argumentative pathways, you have no chance. And that's why people can sort of do okay for five years, maybe even 10 years. It's really hard for relationships to thrive after about 10 years because these deep neurological patterns become stronger and stronger with repetition and just blows things apart. It's a neurological trick. So what you're saying basically is if you don't get a hold of this after seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, it's going to almost like a virus. It's going to take over not only your body, but your whole family. These right. are, this is how families break apart. Yep. I, I think that so in, in the couples that survive just are trying to survive these pathways. And you just sort of, some people internally divorce, some people create their own lives separate from each other. But to really thrive, you can't thrive when you're full of anxiety and anger. And then again, it's interesting, uh, I'll just mention this, this is a little bit of an advanced concept. Uh, did you and I talk about the Hoffman process a little bit? No, we haven't talked about that. Okay, um, so on my website, it's a process in Napa Valley. It's a one-week process, looks at family patterns that are programmed into you that you pass on to your kids. My wife did it first, I did a second. My son, daughter, and daughter-in-law, law have all done it. About 90 of my friends, family, and patients have done it. 
what it does, it creates a keen awareness of the family patterns and you don't suppress them, but allows you to sort of clear the deck. It's not a fixing process. It's an integration process. And what you're doing, you're using visualization tools like athletes to redirect the pathways. So you can't have compassion if you're triggered. If you're anxious and angry, you've lost awareness. The essence of a successful family in a relationship is awareness. You want to become aware of your needs before I can meet those. If I'm self-centered with my own frustrations and this, this, and this, the other problem happens when you're angry, you start labeling people. And what Hoffman did for my wife and I, instead of seeing her as this, this, and this with the labels, I go, this is my wife, and this is the behaviors programmed into her by her parents. This is not who she really is. So it allows you to see past the labels, actually connect with the person that's there. I guess an ongoing learned skill. But I did Hoffman about 10 years ago. I, I use the tools more now than I did when I left Hoffman 10 years ago. And it's consistent. I mean, honestly, we would not be together without Hoppin. Um, and, and, and now we're actually thriving because we're not, we're not fighting these irrational patterns. So the way to help reduce our children's pain and anxiety is first to acknowledge what happened in our childhood, what experience created our pain and our anxiety that we are now almost passing on to our children. Well, not almost, we are. Yeah. But, but here's the, here, again, that's, as you know, this is a very long conversation, but I'm going to try to condense it into a couple of things. First of all, I said the essence of parenting is play. That means never giving advice. If you're giving advice, you're really not at play, right? Yeah. One of the things I tell my patients at Pain to Do, but this is true for everybody, is for at least one month, don't give one word of advice, only listen. Because how can you become aware of your needs if I'm actually deciding what's good for you? The first thing you have to do is listen, which means no advice. And to me, it should be indefinite. I mean, it should be an indefinite period. Just you simply actually be with your children and let them be who be who they are. The metaphor that really strikes me is that we tend to run our homes like military barracks, so we have a certain amount of order and discipline. We're going to raise our kids in a certain way, develop a certain set of skills. Then we're pushing them with ideals, which creates incredible anxiety. We talked about on the earlier podcast how mental pain is is actually more deadly than a physical threat. And we create these expectations that we push our kids really hard. It's like a military barracks, right? Yeah. The metaphor I think is really critical. Just visualize this massive valley oak tree with a huge trunk. And the couple is the foundation. That's the, They are the trunk. And then the goal is to dig really deep roots, develop huge branches for shelter. And you want your kids and your family to feel safe. Because when you feel safe, your body's full of the play chemicals. And by the way, the end of my whole process about solving chronic pain is that you learn tools to go from stress chemicals to the play chemicals, train your brain to be at play. And of course, that latitude can come right into the household. But I can't tell you is that if you don't do with the family triggers, everything else is negated as far as solving chronic pain. Conversely, just by creating these relatively arbitrary, what seems like arbitrary rules around anger and frustration, people come out of the hole as fast as fast as we've ever seen. It's been unbelievable how fast people, how quickly people heal. And within two weeks, all of a sudden the whole energy changes, not talking about the pain, not fighting in the house, actually bringing play back into play. And just, it's really remarkable how fast it happens. We had the best time with this. Wow. Wow. And what was this? This is the Hoffman? Hoffman Process, the headquarters in San Rafael. There's one in the East Coast in New England. The other one is in um, Napa Valley, is their main headquarters. It's a seven-day in-house process. And it, really what you're doing is that you're creating the genealogy of the family patterns. 
The other book I just strongly recommend, I, I probably recommend it to hundreds of my friends and family, is a book called Parent Effectiveness Training, written by Dr. Thomas Gordon in the 70s. I read the book when my son was two. It completely changed my paradigm from disciplinarian, et cetera, authoritarian, to just listening and being. And I've probably read the book at least 20 times. That book probably the most profound impact on my life of any other book that I've ever read. It's unbelievable. What's the book's name again? Parent Effectiveness Training by Dr. Thomas Gordon. It's still, it's still in print. It's one of those books that's so brilliant that you can't believe you had to read this book to figure out what he has to say. I mean, he is really good. Wow. Okay. What are some early steps that we can take to heal our family pain? And what are some long-term strategies that we can do? Well, the first thing by far and away, actually came on Time Magazine this week, is that parents have an incredible focus on their children's accomplishments, going to soccer games, et cetera. That's actually ill-advised. The point of this one writer, I don't remember her name, is in this week's Time Magazine. The number one thing you can do to your kids is have a strong relationship. The first thing by far and away is actually look at your own relationship with your spouse Concentrate on yourself first, then your spouse and vice versa or partner. Mm -hmm. That's by far and away number one. Develop an attitude of play. Bring it into the household. Just don't walk in the door when you're angry under any circumstances. Never yell at your kids, ever. Don't give advice. And actually just learn to understand who they are, listen to their needs, and just practice awareness. And then if you do get triggered and you're in the home. Goes outside. I mean, one nurse, one nurse friend of mine who figured this out pretty quickly had two teenagers ages 16 and 17, and she just sent them to the garage, cut the arguments down by about three-fourths. Just go to the garage and fight it out if you want there. You can't control it, right? So, I mean, we're not, my wife and I are perfect, but we're way better than we were three years ago. We we sort of figured this out at Omega. But yeah, we we really, um, it's been, it made a huge difference just breaking up these irrational survival patterns. It is huge, really remarkable. And it's hard to think when you're, when you're in that anger and irrational, you you can't even, can't feel compassion. So you can't even feel how much you're hurting the other person. But again, go back to the, just think back to your child right now that you're having troubles with and think back when you brought he or she home from the hospital, their first steps, their words, how cute they were. They just love their parents. Why did that disappear? Where did that go? Right? Right. That's the kid you brought into the world. And that's a kid you want to nurture. You don't have to discipline them. And by the way, this parent effectiveness training is about communication. It's about listening. He's very much against permissive parenting. My son was raised with that technique. And he will tell you in a heartbeat that he was never officially disciplined in his life. But we were strict. You can communicate boundaries without discipline. Remember, one of the essences of parenting that's really deadly is that I'm the parent, you're the child. There's a label of parent versus child, which implies a hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. And what the book does, it brings you into human to human. In other words, I just know you a little bit. I wouldn't start. I mean, the analogy I love in the book is that if I came to your house and I'm some prominent physician or some prominent person, get a brand new coffee table, say plop down on your couch and put my feet up on your coffee table, what would you say? Who are you and what are you doing? Right, but but you wouldn't yell at me. No, I would not be yelling at you. I'd right. be, yeah. You might you might ask very nicely. Yeah. And what if it was your kid? I probably yeah, get your feet off. Right. So those are those are you messages. So the better answer would be look, this is a new table. It's it's expensive and you're scratching it. So just a couple sense of explanation completely changed the paradigm. That's just one small example. Talk to your kids like they're a neighbor or a friend. Deeper than that, because I mean, the people that you, you have to treat, the best of the people that you, that you have to live with, 
Ironically, with all these patterns that keep getting triggered, we treat people close to us worse. It's a big problem, but it, but it's so solvable. That's what's so key. Once you understand the paradigm, again, this is not in my book. This is on my website alone. So this, my third book will be on healing the family's pain. But if you go to stage one, stage one on my website, at the bottom, it says, click this link to begin the journey with your family. And there's about two dozen different blog posts about the family issues. And it's just not very hard. Yeah, you have so much information on your website at backincontrol.com. Really, listeners, go to the website. There's so many uh, things that you can learn, effective tools to really start being in this in this space of consciousness, right? Right. And I think that's what you're kind of telling us is just be here, be conscious here and realize what you're feeling and where it's coming from. Right. It's just been incredible. I mean, I'm a spine surgeon and I'm used to fixing people. The data shows that less than 20% of physicians are comfortable treating chronic pain, less than 1% enjoy it. It's been indescribably enjoyable and rewarding. I can't put it in words how enjoyable to see people in pain that are trapped come out of pain and thrive, they often end up thriving at a level that they never experienced in their life before ever, because you're not fighting anxiety anymore. Yeah, I had shoulder surgery at one time and recuperating from that was literally chronic pain. It just was all the time. And it's true what you're saying. And I had to actually, I reread Dr. Sarno's book actually while I was in bed in chronic pain, because I remember it was about emotion. And yeah. I started doing what he, you know, his technique, just releasing that emotion. And I started lowering the pain 30%, 40%. See, since emotional pain and physical pain are processed in the same part of the brain, if you suppress the emotional pain, some of the body parts are going to hurt. Yep. It's really just a linkage system. It's not psychological. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, you. Dr. David, for being on the show. And parents, get the book, Parent Effectiveness Training. Go to Dr. David's uh, website, backincontrol.com. And uh, wow, I don't know what to say except I am in gratitude for you. Well, I'm very excited to be able to share these views. I mean, it's been really a lot of fun sharing these views. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's really important that everybody knows about this and things like the ACE study because it's kind of been buried. I don't know why it's not more mainstream. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.